There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows that used to be on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S, and tonight we'll be discussing episode 8 of season 4 of The Expanse. Okay, so there was a lot of moments in this one where I was like, what the hell? And I was cringing, which we'll get to, but oh god, I cringed a lot. Yeah. We'll talk about it in a minute. I know, I know. Let's just jump in. All right. Episode 8, The One-Eyed Man. Avasalara faces fallout for the UN military mission. Ashford and Drummer make big decisions about their future within the OPA. A spreading illness on Illus takes a toll on Amos. Alex and Naomi attempt to rescue the Barb. Yeah, we got everybody in this episode. (laughs) And there was a lot of moments where... It felt like this episode went a, re- a lot longer than, like, the hour. Oh, absolutely. Because it was so emotional, I guess. Yep, okay, so, absolutely. So let's just jump into one character where I definitely teared up. Yes. We open with Avasalara for Lonely, preparing for her busy day. We can see the unbearable weight of the failed UN mission weighing heavily on her. Oh, howdy. Yeah. Oh my god. Talk about a great actress. She's always so smart and cocky, I guess is the best word for as Avasalara. Oh yeah. She looked like a whole different person. Yes. Beaten down. Yes. Especially after she watches a clip of Fred Johnson blatantly condemning the actions of the Earth military for slaughtering innocent belters. And then one of her military officers comes in and gives her his resignation. And, and when he asserts she talks that, to him about, you don't have to fall on your sword, this is not your fault, and then... Bam, yeah. Oh, he was not in support of her decision. And it was her actions that ended the lives of honest soldiers. But wasn't go, he the one in there that was telling her? We we can do this. Yeah, he gave her the options. Now, of course, he said that the best plan was to just nuke it and be done with it. But I just he feel... gave her the other option. Yeah, and I, I he mean... didn't agree with it, but he went because she's the boss. He had to go through with it. I get it. I d- it's just something else. I'm like so frustrated with this because if you're gonna say we can do this, and if you in your freaking soul know that this is going to go pear-shaped really fast you need to say right but the chances are almost a hundred we're gonna lose soldiers right you need to lay it all out and i don't feel like he said any of that in that meeting no he did not give her the details of 
that part of the plan whatsoever. He just offered it up as, yeah, we could do an extraction. Right. Not saying anything about costing military lives or it going bad or anything. Right. So, yeah, part of it is definitely his fault. Now, later on, we see Avasalara attending the memorial for the fallen soldiers on the Pazuza. And Arjun is present, as is her opponent, Nancy Gao. And what is with that smug look on her face? You are not there. That is not the time, I'm just saying. Yeah. Now, what do you think she would have done under that circumstance? Oh, please. I don't. She would have melted under the pressure. Right. There's no doubt in my mind that she could not have made that the same decision or any decision whatsoever. Nope, I don't think so. I don't think she has any experience at all making the tough decisions. Now, initially, Avasalara commences her speech via teleprompter, but her words feel disingenuous. And they were. They were political speech. So she ditches the teleprompter and opts for a more genuine approach. And this is when I started crying. Yes, because she tells the crowd a tale of her own son's death by belter hands. And he was also a military officer. And when he passed, she merely wanted to know who did it and why. Who she could blame. Right. And that's when she pinpoints herself as the perpetrator, the inadvertent murderer of these soldiers. Because it was her decision to try it the way they did. Oh, my God. That and was she urges- painful hearing her say that. Yes. So you can blame yes. me. And I think at this point, they kind of pan to Nancy Gao. Right. And she looked genuinely surprised. She's like. Oh, absolutely shocked. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> crap. This is not what I expected from her. No. She was all prepared to jump on Ava Solara for making such a, a cold speech. Yeah. And then turn turns into this and she has absolutely nothing she can say but good things because the journalists jump all over after the speech and she just has to say it was a poignant speech yeah and then all of a sudden when they ask her and what do you feel about was it the footage from illis and she was like what it's like well there's something that's going to surprise her and being the political opponent who's like we should go there because Everybody should have a chance. Yeah, okay. And you're going to hand everybody a puppy and here's your your personal rainbow on top of it. But then you get to see this happen. Right. And now what? Yeah. So, of course, after realizing that Avasalara has leaked footage of the catastrophe on Illis, Arjun confronts his wife only to find that she's played everyone like a violin. I was surprised. Oh, yeah. She played that so well. But I was still surprised that she's the one who leaked the footage. Right. And though the pain dredged up from losing her son was genuine, using it to gain the upper hand and emphasize her convictions of the dangers of colonizing these ring worlds is now a new low for her. And Arjun all but shouts the respect he's lost for her as he storms out. I'm wondering what this means for them. Yeah, this was a total shock to Arjun and to think that she actually used her son to gain a political advantage. Right. When men died. Yeah, this might cause some major problems. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I don't think so either. So, yeah, 
we kind of saw another side of uh, Ava Solara that we hadn't seen before. Not I mean, to this level. yeah, we kind of knew she would take advantage of political opportunities when she could, but did she cross a line here? I think so. I'm really, I think so this. too. <laughs> That's hard to say. So we go over to Mars and check in on Bobby, and we see her sitting with S.A., Lily, and of course, Mr. Unknown Beltran, and she still doesn't trust Beltran as he brushes off all her questions and fails to reveal the details of their impending big mission. Sounds just like the last one. Right. Now, Issei trusts him, though, so she has to get out or go along with it. So she decides later on that she's going to pay Issei a visit at his home. Oh, here's a shocker. He appears to have a normal life. A wife and two children and a nice home. He's a family man with a steady, seemingly honorable vocation. So what the hell's going on? <laughs> right. So Issei tells her he plans to win big money from their upcoming mission, enough to move his family to a new planet within the ring once that blockade is lifted. Really now? I feel that, okay, I, I get everything he has said. Right. But on the other hand, with him talking about this particular mission and them knowing nothing, that Bobby is like completely right. You don't know what's happening. This feels like a setup. Right. And Issei tells her that Mars is not the Mars it once was, as the planet's top scientists are departing for uncharted pastures. Nobody will be left to run things. And sure enough, later on, Bobby runs into her nephew, and she would like to buy him a beer and have a talk, but he's heading to orientation as he's gotten a job on the terraforming project. I thought this so kid was in high that, school. Right. This at least gives some more credence to Christina's feedback on the last episode that, yes, Mars is actually still trying to terraform the planet. It was just curious that a lot of the military weren't involved in it, but okay. And Bobby congratulates him, and they agree to catch up later. And then we so. see Bob learning something else that just causes all kinds of <laughs> issues, as Thomas has accepted a job on Europa, and he wants her to come with him. And I thought that was like, oh, that's nice. He's like, no, I want us to be together. But man, she went a whole different route with that. Oh, absolutely. But it doesn't help. He tells her he knows she's involved in some shady dealings in the black market. Hence her now overabundant cash flow. When he's like, the fancy hotel room. And I'm like, wait a second. That looks like a teeny tiny. I wouldn't say fancy hotel room, but okay. Right. <laughs> and of course, Bobby fires back that she doesn't need anyone saving her. She can save herself. And Thomas leaves in a huff and hopes to see her when he returns in 10 months. I'm thinking not. I'm feeling like because they put such an emphasis on this stuff, that whatever's being stolen has something to do with that crew that he's going to be on. Could very well be. Yeah, watch it be a bomb that ends up blowing up the ship that's going to Europa. Don't know. I don't want to think about that. I'm not speculating. Never mind. No. <laughs> So let's go check in on the Medina station, and guess who pays them a visit? 
good old Fred Johnson in the flesh. For a second, I didn't think that was him. Right. It didn't look like he was moving real well there coming in. It was like, what the hell? The drummer gives him a piece of her mind. <laughs> in the form of a punch. Yeah. And, of course, Ashford is there to witness it. Great. Now, he supports drummer when Johnson chastises her for voting to keep Marco alive. But, you know what? I loved that Ashford was like, you weren't there. You don't know. She right. did the right thing. Even though he had basically said the voted same thing. No. Right. But... Once he talked to her, he understood her thinking and came to agree with her, which Johnson really doesn't give Drummer a chance to explain the situation. And so Drummer says, I'm out of here. I was really thinking, okay, heat of the moment that even Johnson's not going to be like, okay, fine. But I I don't know. It didn't feel like it. Even towards the end of this episode, I'm like, wait a minute. Is she really like done? Yeah. I don't like this. No, she needs to have some power. Now, later on, Ashford finds Drummer alone in deep contemplation. And he tells her that Johnson tried to give him her position, but no, he decides he's going to embark on a sojourn to take Marcos out once and for all. Yeah, I think he's kind of super ticked with Marco now, for real. Yes. And he's in dire need of a capable XO. And of course, Drummer is more than capable. And she considers his offer. But later on, she pays him a visit aboard the Tynan with a bottle of liquor and bad news as she won't be joining him on Operation Kill Marco and Naros. What is she going to do? I was really hoping she's like, no, I'm not leaving my station. But we didn't get that. No, she vows to stay out of politics, although she's not sure of her next move. Which one? Uh, Ashford. Sorry. Yes, <laughs> a- Ashford is slightly disappointed, but very understanding of her choice, and he urges her to keep the bottle for when he returns victorious. And we hope that he will return victorious. Yeah, we do need to get. Marco's out of the picture. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, this is not going to end well for anybody. I do want to say that Drummer pointed out that they figured out really fast that Johnson was the one who basically leaked the information to the UNN. And he's the one who's ultimately at fault. But he did this so that everyone's pointing the finger at them. And I love it, Drummer, when she says, you know, you're no better than them starting problems where there shouldn't be any. And he's right. like, oh, Marco sent the whole place to blow. How did you know that? Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot more, all from that one sentence that he said. So is he playing both sides? Actually, at this point, there's more than just two sides, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> like, Yeah, I still think that him and Dawes are still doing things that are not in the best interest of the entire Belters, put it that way, where Drummer is trying to do what's best for all Belters. Right. So, yeah, it would not surprise me if we find out more about Johnson and Dawes and their dirty little schemes. Maybe that's what Drummer will do is go after them. Oh, nice. They're probably working with Marcos, too. Yep. So we go over and check in on the Rossi, where we see Naomi. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> Alex and Lucia attempting to haul the barb onward and upward. I was so tense for this yes, whole this... section of show. Like, I think my shoulders were up to my ears because I was like, <laughs> oh, God. I just felt like this is not going to work. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Right. And as bad as the episode has gone so far, you think the rest of it's going to be a disaster, too. Yeah, I I think I may have even been holding my breath at one point. <laughs> and we get to see Alex fly a drone over to the barb and grab the cable and bring it over to the Rossi. And Naomi and Lucia get it all tightened up and they're ready to give it a go. Now, of course, the comment from the barb captain <laughs> Felicia was, Sure glad you hate your parents. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, dude, come on. There's got to be a better way to say yeah. that. <laughs> and then, well, when he, was it him or the daughter? I'm blanking. Which one said, oh, we don't have that extra slack. We're actually a little short. I was like, oh, crap. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, don't set this up for something bad, please. Right. But Alex starts slowly pulling the barb into a higher orbit and from where we leave them it does look like it was successful and i was able to breathe yes <laughs> now on illis things are just a little bit tougher when i as, get all tense again yes <laughs> yes everyone is now blind including amos okoye and murtry didn't care much about murtry but okay no Holden is now the camp babysitter for both the Earth Faction and the Belter Settlement. It was really oh. tough watching this because I had like a flashback to that movie. I think it was actually called Blindness. I'll have to double check that. Right. Or Hysterical Blindness. Or, no, Blindness. With, it's a 2008 movie with Julianne Moore where everybody suddenly went blind and she was the only one who could see. And it was kind of the same thing where she's like taking care of everybody. Right. And then watching this and how strained Holden looked. Right. Yeah. He looked a whole lot older in this episode. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, I have to do this. I have to do this. And then you have Murtry being the general asshole that he is. Yeah. Save me, not them. No. No. Stressed out. And I totally felt like Holden. I felt like punching Murtry, but I felt Holden completely in this episode. Oh, yeah. He says, when they leave, they all leave together. No one is left behind. Now, of course, later on, Holden noticed that Amos has wandered off. And sure enough, he's probably headed to the pool that's infested with the slugs. Oh, my God. And usually when that happens, they never come back. Thankfully, Holden catches Amos before he reaches the pool. Oh, my God. But when he gets there, like, Amos just turns and starts swinging. Now, Holden had the black light, and his, right. just Amos's face looked so weird. Like, I thought something else had happened, yes. <laughs> like that yeah. somehow the stuff was changing him even more, because he was just so terrifying looking. Yes, this is probably the very first time that we've ever seen Amos just completely freaked out. Yes, and... It hurt my heart just watching him. Yes. Holden kind of like almost wrestles him down and he's holding on to him and, and he's telling him, I need you. It's like, you can't do this. It's like, oh my God, there's more tears. But 
mostly it was just like, oh my god, Amos, don't give up. Come on. Yes. <laughs> and it gets even worse oh, because in a moment of naked honesty, Amos shares the truth with Chandra about his childhood. The nightmares he would have as a kid only to open his eyes to the darkness and the nightmare of reality that soon followed. Oh my god, that was so painful. Yes. But I mean, the one thing that I was kind of holding on to with this was the fact that she was there with him and she wasn't over there dealing with Murtry. Like she right. came to him. Yes. Now, Koye continues to conduct tests on Holden to figure out why he's immune to the eye infection. But of course, since she's blind herself, Holden must conduct all the tests on himself and read the results to her. Oh, my God. And, of course, we I, have uh, to have the needle in the eye. Okay. So, depending on what podcast you've listened to with us, I've had to have yes. a shot in the eye. And I know I've talked about it. So, when he's having to do this himself to put the needle in the eye, I was texting Steve. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> like, I, I was cringing so hard because... It is so uncomfortable having the shot in the eye and watching yes. this. I think I closed my eyes too. I'm like, I can't. No, it's too much. Yes. And he's like looking at it. And I know special effects. I get that part. But oh my God, it was too much. Yeah. And a Chloe going, but not too far. Right. Don't go too deep. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, once she hears the results, she tells him that he might want to seek out a physician when all of this is over because he has precancerous cells in his eye. He's like, oh, and yeah, that, I know. Yeah, because of my immense exposure to radiation on arrows and the cancer-killing drugs he's currently on. I and Akoya <laughs> goes, say what? Right, because Akoya <laughs> puts her hand out like she's, Almost going to pat his shoulder. And he's like, thanks. She's like, no, I don't want to hold your hand. <laughs> it's like, wait a second. You have this thing that's kicking out those cancer killing drugs? Yeah, I do. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. It's like you've seen the light bulb go on over her head. Yes. It, it that took Holden is what a minute. <laughs> but he's like, yeah. oh. <laughs> so Koye gets to work on utilizing Holden's medications to craft a cure. Meanwhile, Holden decides to take a gander at his outside surroundings, and he climbs out of the machine and notices the flood rotters have started to receive enough to get the hello out of there. But is it really enough to set up camp again or to even be able to get off the planet? I wasn't thinking so. And, okay, maybe it's just me, but... Was this the first time we were able to see all the other structures? Because I don't remember seeing the other. No. Okay, I don't yeah, remember seeing no, them No, I think before. last episode we saw the other structures up. Okay. So Okoye finishes up the cure with Holden's cancer-killing medication, and they start administering it to the populace. Now, everyone is slowly but surely regaining their eyesight, including Amos, which was definitely good to see. Yeah. It, then we see Murtry on his radio to see if the light shuttle has been prepared with the proximity detonator. Now. Is he going to blow everybody up? You darn right he is. Why? At least that's the plan. 
Why are you trying to do that when you already know the one burned up trying to come into the atmosphere? Right. I just feel like that might be a really dumb move on your part anyway. Yeah, that means you might get left behind. Right? That's your only shuttle left, so you might want to think about that twice. That's what I'm thinking. And we see Holden returning from topside and is blindsided by the reappearance of Proto Miller. That looked really weird. to be in extreme pain. Yes. Which kind of falls right into my theory about the planet being in self-defense mode. I have a feeling that basically Miller is being held by the machines and being tortured. Oh. For information. Interesting. So... This is going to be really interesting with just (laughs) two episodes left to try to figure out how to resolve all these things (laughs) without getting yourself blown up by Murtry. I don't know. I feel like there's a whole lot more. And I mean, granted, it's not like, okay, you have two more episodes to wrap up a whole series. No, yeah. But still, it's like... (laughs) This uh, storyline, yeah. Do we really want to... In the season on a gigantic cliffhanger that we've got to worry about for another year? I hope not, but... We are. Okay. Come on, we are. (laughs) That's how they do it to us. Yes. Now, once again, our friend Fred from the Netherlands has provided us some feedback, so let's take a listen. Hello, Steve and Sean. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the X-Bound Season 4, Episode 8. Wow, this was a positive episode actually i was expecting a lot of bad things again but it is really a relief that some things do work out and i was really expecting when they put out a cable it wouldn't work or it would be just 10 meters too short which of course wouldn't be a problem because then moving their spaceship a little bit but it was so dramatically filmed and so slow that you really would expect something would go wrong but it didn't it just worked out One, of course, medical nitpick is that the medicine for the eye problems on the planet, that worked as well, but the recovery of the patients is a little bit too quick. You expect that if there is a molecule or a virus or whatever, that's not what's making you blind. What's making you blind is that your own tissue is destroyed somehow, and the recovery of that is is a little bit quick. Even in your bowel, it takes two, three days to get cured from your tropical diarrhea or something like that. And the tissue in your bowel is regenerating every two, three days. But that's not true in your eyes. But okay, nobody said it was a medical show. And even in medical shows, they get it often very wrong. Murtry said that in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. But now he has his side back, he is back to his old, being the big bad down there, checking whether he could use the light shuttle as a bomb. And of course the big question here is at the end, after everything is good, what is happening to Holden's brain and to Miller? Is this the end of Miller? The fight between Avicerola and her husband, Arjen, is just a platform to show what her inner thoughts are. It's a weak writing ploy, I think. Okay, greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Yeah, Fred, you aren't the only one glad that things worked out as well as they did for the Rossi and the 
Holden crew, that's for sure. Yeah, like I said, I was expecting bad things to happen too. But I have to say, okay, you're like, oh, it worked out. It worked out so far. Yes. I (laughs) trust nothing. No, I don't either, especially with Mercury on the planet with Holden. Right? Yes. And uh, (laughs) the medicine going too quick. I totally get that. Like I said, just the shots in the eye. I have the little, I call him my little bubble buddy. When I get the shots, because I have a little bubble that that kind of floats around in there for a while. It's really weird. So I feel like, yeah, it might take a little time, but we're going to speed it up for the sake of television. I get that. Right. But I say one thing with that. Like, did you notice there was a lot of the green goo coming out of their eyes? And I was hoping that was supposed to be like the stuff dying and like oozing out. But it was like, that's gross. Yeah. Yeah. Not a pretty sight. And yeah, Mertry is back to his old self again. He should have been like the last one to get the shot. Yeah, he really should. Just feel like you need to be a little humble. Yeah. Now, could this possibly be the end of Miller? It's possible because it wasn't looking good for Miller. No. No. I'm hoping not. And I think my theory is hopefully going to pan out. Now, I don't know as far as how to resolve it. I really kind of think that somehow Holden's going to have to go back to that one machine that he blew up and figure out how to fix it. Interesting. So, yeah, that would appease the machinery, shall we say. So you don't think if he gets off planet, it'll make a difference? No. Oh, okay. I really don't. Even if they all get off the planet, I don't think that will allow them to escape. They've got to do something to prove that they aren't trying to destroy everything. Gotcha. And yeah, the argument that Avasalara and her husband had. It was rough. I really, yeah, it was very rough, but I I hate to say that it's really a weak plot writing ploy because like we said earlier in the podcast, this is something that we really haven't seen from Avasalara before. And I think Arjun was just as taken aback as we were that she would actually go to that level. So I didn't have any major issues with it. I probably would have been surprised if Arjun didn't throw a conniption and really do her up one side and down the other for what she did. You leak the video and then you use your son to gain favor with the voting public. Not so cool there, Avasalara. But once again, Fred, we really appreciate your feedback and are looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the last two episodes of the season. Yes, Fred, we can't wait. Hey, Steve, we got more feedback. Awesome. Yes, from Christina from Ohio. So here we go. I love me some Queen Christian. But I can't help but think that at this point, the election is no longer about her being right, but truly, as Arjun pointed out, about her winning. It's one thing to use the loss of your son in a political move. Sure, it's done all the time, but to not think to talk to your husband first, because he too might actually be feeling grief over it as well. A heads up would have been nice and polite, Christian. I don't like the recast of Arjun, like at all, but I feel as if he's not wrong to be miffed. And with how his wife is choosing to retain her throne. Now, quick note from me. Did she mean Arjun was actually physically recast or his character? 
I'm thinking she's meaning his character, right? Because right. it's the same guy, wasn't it? Not sure. No, Christina, <laughs> you got, you got me questioning. Yes. Okay, let me jump back into her, her letter to us. Considering she spent her entire career saving the world without it, one does need to ponder her motivations and considering Nancy, someone we should in all honesty be applauding, considering she came up on basic and made a success of herself. Skipping the line didn't get her to the place she is now per episode five. She didn't take that line jump without making penance. Christian has done nothing but belittle her audacity for daring to go against her. And that is what her husband is really a fan of. And neither am I, though I do adore her. Drummer punching Fred. Classic. Yes, it was. (laughs) Ashford going after Marco himself. Lord, protect this man. But I love his and Drummer's friendship, and it was bittersweet watching them part. Small book spoiler. Uh Uh-oh. Drummer was a very small character in the books. She's now taken over several character arcs. Ashford was an absolute brute and an ass, and you would have totally cheered when he died. (laughs) Who knew cancer would come in handy? LOL. (laughs) Yeah. Well, get it in recording next time, and oh my god, I would love to be part of your final podcast. I have no idea how one goes about that, but I am down. That's awesome. We hope you can be part of it, and it's not that hard. Otherwise, we wouldn't have made it as far as we have, but you know. (laughs) Right. And to clarify the point on Arjun, in the first couple of seasons, the actor was Brian George, and now it's Michael Benyeer. So it is a different actor. Okay, I was so invested with everything going on, I did not notice that. And I, (laughs) wow, so horrible. Yes. I totally agree with you, though, with what Christian is doing. It's very, oh, it's just so slimy. Like, I'm not expecting her to do some of this right it's very disappointing to see her turn down that road yeah i think we all feel drummer punching fred was amazing yes and it's good to know though that drummer is really a collective of characters from the book so that means she can go like a whole bunch of different ways depending on how long they decide to go with the series right and i'm not sure i think we all like have gotten to like Ashford and we're not going to cheer when he dies. (laughs) Probably not at this point. No. Right. Because yeah, he, he's kind of endeared himself to everybody. Yep. And yes, you cancer would come in handy. That's probably the only time anybody is ever saying that, but it sure did. Yes. Well, Christina, thank you for your feedback and we will definitely get in touch with you to, give you the details on how you can join us for the finale. Thank you, Christina. All right. So you know how Fred feels. You know how Christina feels. You know how we feel. We want to know how you feel. Shoot us an email at sci-fi talk at fangirlzone.com or go over to www.fangirlzone.com. Check out the contacts page and you can contact us any of those ways. Please. While you're on the interwebs, if you can rate and review us on iTunes and every other platform you find us on, because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us, tell your friends about the show because they can binge watch four seasons now and get where you are. And oh my gosh, you guys can all read the books before me and tell me how great they are and how much I'm missing by not reading them yet. We of course hope you're enjoying the podcast. 
for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk. I am Sean Fangirlass. And I'm Steve. Something good finally came out of being on Arrows. And until next time.